Hello there, Walker and Breckenridge. Hope you're gearing up for a lovely Friday with clear skies from dawn till dusk. Uh, with highs reaching 36 degrees and lows dipping to 13, it sounds like a perfect day to enjoy the great outdoors or maybe just cozy up and catch up on the news. Speaking of news, we've got some eye-opening stories for you today. First up, a cybersecurity test at the U.S. Department of the Interior turns alarming as over one gigabyte of fake personal data gets swiped by a watchdog, unnoticed. The tests ran from March 2022 through June 2023, exposing significant vulnerabilities in the department's cloud security defenses. I'm Steve Onsker. And I'm Jonathan Martin. You're listening to Walker's News from PocketPod News. In tech and law news, a startup named Bench IQ is making waves after securing $2.1 million in pre-seed funding. They're using artificial intelligence to analyze judges' decision-making patterns, offering lawyers a new edge in court. And from the environmental beat, New York state prosecutors are taking beef giant JBS to court. The accusation? Making deceptive marketing claims about its climate pollution pledges without a solid plan to back them up. As these stories unfold, they raise crucial questions about security, technology's role in law, and corporate accountability in environmental promises. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. In a world where digital security is more critical than ever, a recent report has caught everyone's attention. That's right. The Department of the Interior's Office of Inspector General conducted a unique experiment. They managed to steal over one gigabyte of fake sensitive data from the department's cloud systems without detection. This eye-opening exercise was designed to test the security of the department's cloud infrastructure and its defenses against unauthorized access. And joining us to dive deeper into this story is PocketPod News technology correspondent Alex Harmon. Absolutely, Jonathan. The Department of the Interior's recent security exercise orchestrated by its Office of the Inspector General has indeed turned quite a few heads. By simulating a data breach, they've shed light on some serious vulnerabilities within their cloud infrastructure. This wasn't just any test. Over one gigabyte of fake sensitive data was stealthily exfiltrated from the department's systems to mimic what could happen in a real-world scenario. That sounds like a sophisticated operation. Could you elaborate on why the OIG decided to conduct this experiment? Certainly. The primary purpose behind this exercise was to rigorously assess how well the Department of the Interior's cloud infrastructure could defend against unauthorized access and protect sensitive data. Given the increasing reliance on cloud systems for storing critical information, the OIG created fake personal data and simulated threat actor behaviors within the department's network. This approach aimed to evaluate current security measures' effectiveness in detecting or preventing data exfiltration. These tests were meticulously carried out over a span from March 2022 through June 2023. And how exactly did they go about simulating these attacks? They used an innovative approach by employing Makaru, a service known for generating realistic but fake personal data, and operated within a virtual machine set up in the cloud environment. This allowed them to simulate theft without needing to install additional tools or malware that could potentially harm the system or raise unnecessary alarms. Interestingly, they managed to conduct over 100 tests within just a week, showcasing not only their thoroughness but also how swiftly vulnerabilities can be exploited if present. With all these efforts in place, what were their findings? 
The findings were quite alarming, Jonathan. None of the simulated attacks were detected by the department's cybersecurity defenses, which points out significant gaps in their ability to protect against known threats and safeguard sensitive information effectively. This successful exfiltration of data during these tests underlines a critical failure in implementing effective security measures. That certainly sounds concerning given how much personal information is at stake here. Indeed, it is. The report underscores that these vulnerabilities pose real risks to sensitive personal information belonging to tens of thousands of federal employees who depend on their department systems being secure against unauthorized access attempts. So what recommendations does this report make moving forward? The report offers several key recommendations for enhancing system defenses. It acknowledges that while completely preventing breaches by determined and well-resourced adversaries might be challenging, there are improvements that can significantly minimize risks associated with data exfiltration. These include systemic changes based on detailed analysis provided in their findings, a crucial step towards bolstering digital security within government departments. And hasn't OIG conducted similar security measures tests before? Yes, they have demonstrated a commitment towards identifying and rectifying vulnerabilities within departmental systems before as well. For example, last year they built a custom password cracking rig valued at $15,000 as part of efforts to enhance security by testing thousands of department employees' passwords. It's clear this controlled experiment has brought some critical issues to light. Absolutely, Jonathan. By realistically simulating attack scenarios without detection, it highlighted significant gaps in current cybersecurity defenses, offering essential insights into necessary improvements and underscoring an urgent need for implementing recommended changes. That was PocketPod News Technology Correspondent Alex Harmon. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. In the intersection of law and technology, a new player has emerged with a promise to transform how legal professionals approach their cases. Right. Based out of Toronto, Bench IQ is leveraging artificial intelligence to offer unprecedented insights into judges' decision-making patterns. This startup, co-founded by Jimo Ovbiagel, Maxim Isakov, and Jeffrey Gettleman, aims to arm lawyers with data-driven strategies tailored to each judge's unique approach. And with $2.1 million in pre-seed funding already under its belt, Bench IQ isn't just a concept. It's quickly becoming a vital tool for some of the most prominent law firms. PocketPod News business correspondent Leah Haynes is here to dive deeper into this innovation. Leah, Bench IQ is not just about winning cases. It's about changing the game entirely, isn't it? Absolutely, Jonathan. Bench IQ is setting a new standard for how legal professionals approach their preparation for court. By leveraging artificial intelligence, particularly large language model-based AI technology, this Toronto-based startup enables a deeper understanding of judicial decision-making processes. It's not just about analyzing the written opinions of judges, but diving into 100% of their rulings to uncover patterns and insights that were previously inaccessible or overlooked. That's sounds like a significant advantage for lawyers. Can you tell us more about the team behind this innovative startup? Of course. The founding team consists of Jimo Ovbiagli, Maxim Isakov, and Jeffrey Gettleman. Ovbiagli brings his experience from Ross Intelligence, another legal tech venture he co-founded, which focused on streamlining legal research through AI before it had to shut down amid copyright litigation with Thomson Reuters. 
Isakoff and Gettleman add their expertise in technology and law practice, respectively, making this a powerhouse team deeply familiar with the challenges and needs of legal research. Interesting background there, especially with Off Biagel's previous venture. Now, how did Bench IQ manage to secure its funding? They completed a $2.1 million pre-seed funding round co-led by Maple and Haystack, drawing significant attention not just from these investment firms, but also from several law firms like Cooley, Fenwick & West, Wilson, Sensini, Goodrich & Rosati, or their affiliated investment vehicles, which signals a strong vote of confidence in what Bench IQ promises to deliver. Uh, and what sets Bench IQ apart from other AI-based legal services out there? What really distinguishes BenchIQ is its emphasis on explanatory analytics over descriptive ones. While other services might provide data on past judicial decisions, BenchIQ aims to offer comprehensive insights into why judges make certain decisions and how they might think about future cases. This level of analysis could revolutionize how lawyers strategize their cases. Leah, do we know how they plan to reach their potential customers or what their pricing model looks like? Yes, Jonathan. With 12 large law firms already on board as pilot customers, Bench IQ is planning a flexible pricing model that includes both on-demand pricing and annual subscriptions tailored to firm sizes. This approach shows an understanding that different practices have varying needs and financial capabilities. Considering the competitive market for AI and legal services, how does Bench IQ stand out? Despite the crowded field with companies like Harvey and EvenUp offering AI-driven legal tools, BenchIQ's unique focus on judicial reasoning analytics offers it an edge by catering directly to lawyers' need for deep insights into judges' thought processes rather than broader legal research tools. Leah, before we wrap up, how does the backstory of Ross Intelligence play into where BenchIQ is today? The experience with Ross Intelligence, particularly its closure due to copyright litigation, highlights both the potential hurdles facing AI-driven legal tech companies and the resilience required to navigate them. It seems that challenge has informed Avbiagel's approach with Bench IQ, navigating complex terrain while pushing forward innovative solutions in legal research. Fascinating insights as always. That was PocketPod News Business Correspondent Leah Haynes. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. It was my pleasure sharing about such an intriguing development in the legal tech space. In a bold move, New York State has filed a lawsuit against JBS, one of the world's largest beef producers. That's right. The lawsuit accuses JBS of making misleading marketing claims about its environmental efforts. Despite promising to drastically cut climate pollution by 2040, prosecutors argue the company lacks a realistic plan to achieve these goals. PocketPod News national political correspondent Don Gallup is here to dive deeper into this story. Don, this case seems to spotlight a broader issue with companies making ambitious climate commitments without clear strategies for implementation. Absolutely, Jonathan. The lawsuit filed by New York State prosecutors against JBS is a prime example of what appears to be a growing trend. Attorney General Letitia James has taken a strong stance against what she perceives as deceptive marketing practices by JBS, particularly concerning their 2040 climate pollution reduction pledge. Can you break down the specifics of this lawsuit for us? Sure thing. The essence of the lawsuit hinges on claims that JBS made misleading marketing statements about its commitment to reduce climate pollution by 2040 without having a viable plan to achieve these ambitious goals. This legal action was initiated in state court and brings into question the integrity of JBS's environmental pledges. I see. And what can you tell us about the pledge JBS made? 
In 2021, JBS announced its intention to eliminate or offset all heat-trapping emissions from its operations and supply chains by 2040. This announcement was part of a larger wave of companies making similar net-zero emissions commitments in response to global warming concerns. However, the New York Attorney General's office is challenging the feasibility and sincerity of these commitments, suggesting that JBS lacks a concrete plan to reach their stated goals. It sounds like there's been some significant criticism and regulatory attention on JBS's environmental claims. That's correct. Beyond this lawsuit, JBS has faced scrutiny from various quarters. Notably, the BBB National Program's National Advertising Division recommended earlier this year that JBS should halt advertising related to its net zero commitment due to insufficient evidence backing up their ability to meet this target. Additionally, concerns were raised by U.S. senators about potential exaggerations in JBS's environmental efforts in communications with the Securities and Exchange Commission. What are some of the challenges? in achieving net zero emissions in agriculture mentioned. The prosecutors argue that for an operation as vast as JBS's, there aren't currently proven methods to completely neutralize agriculture emissions. They also point out that offsetting these emissions would entail prohibitive costs. This highlights not just the technical hurdles, but also financial obstacles companies face when attempting genuine net zero achievements, especially in high emission sectors like agriculture. How does misleading advertising impact consumers? Attorney General Letitia James emphasized that advertisements misrepresenting sustainability commitments can mislead consumers who are willing to pay a premium for environmentally friendly products. This not only erodes consumer trust, but also potentially undermines broader environmental efforts by giving a false sense of progress or commitment. It seems like this case could have broader implications for corporate sustainability pledges. Indeed, Jonathan, it underscores the critical need for transparency and accountability in corporate sustainability claims. As companies increasingly make ambitious climate commitments, it's essential they develop credible plans for achieving these goals, thereby ensuring they do not mislead consumers or investors about their environmental impact and progress. Thank you for those insights, Don. My pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. And that's Walker's News for Friday, March 1st, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Walker. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to PocketPod DAP. 